Welcome to God's Watchmen. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a new listener and don't know where to find us, you can check us out at godswatchmen.com. That is godswatchmen.com, M-E-N. Also, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tonight, we have another special guest willing to share his story. It's been awesome getting to know him over the past couple years. So let's welcome Kevin. And thank you for coming out, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Austin. Thank you very much. And also, we got Big Mike over here. He... He said he's going to not try to heckle Kevin all night. I'm in the room. (laughs) You just bring it, brother. You bring it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do these days? I volunteer. You volunteer? Yeah, I volunteer here at the CC Lab in the warehouse of the food pantry. And I uh, head up the ministry for the financial coaching team. Okay. And uh, serve on the leadership with Keith Maxey there for U-Turn tonight. You know, help out there when I, where and whenever I can. Awesome. And I'm also an auditor for our township. A what? Auditor. I thought you said potter. No, oh. auditor. No, po- no, I'm not a potter. I was gonna say, what's what's a, what are you making pottery? <laughs> no, no. An auditor. What? Uh, what? What's that? An auditor. It's an elected official position, and uh, you go through it every year. You look at the operations of the of financial operations of the of the uh, township. Okay. You know, it's just really a. Operational audit, and right. uh, we do that once a year. So you're a numbers guy. Yeah, I've always been a numbers guy. Okay, what's your favorite number? Seven. Seven. Why? God's number. Okay. Right. Mike, what's your favorite number? Twelve. Twelve. Mm-hmm. Why? It represents government. Everything about God. Oh, man. it's a divine number. Mine was four. Why was that? And it has nothing to do with God. <laughs> Mine was, I was little, I saw Brett Favre playing one day, his number was four, and I loved football, and I loved the Green Bay Packers, and I thought Brett Favre was the best, so I've loved number four since. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's what little kids do, man. Yeah. Uh, got any hobbies, Kevin? Not really. Not Honestly, really. I really don't have any hobbies, I got to tell you. I putz around the house if you're a putzer, if you know what putzing is. Uh, let me go get my putter. And... <laughs> no, nah, not putter, but, you know, putzing just kind of do- noodling around the house. Uh, noodling? Doing... Let me go grab a pool noodle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, guys. That's all right. You know, just doing things around the house um, and volunteer work. But I really don't have any real hobbies, so no. to speak of. No. Okay. You like spending time with your wife, though. I do. I do. So we spend a lot of time together. Since uh, I'm retired and she's cut back her work schedule. Right. So we volunteer together here at CC Lab and with U Turn. Dude, she makes great cookies. Oh, man, I love her <laughs> cookies. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to put it in there. She makes great cookies. Oh, I'm just yeah. saying. I was about Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say she's an amazing cook. She uh, is. She's a good cook. She's better baker. A better baker? What's she's... your favorite thing she bakes? Man, that's tough. That's a real tough one. Um, she makes these sugar drop cookies, which are awesome. But she also makes an amazing homemade cheesecake. She does. And that's 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 the kind where you lay on the floor and moan because it's so heavy in your stomach. You just want to, you want to eat more. Yeah, that that one time she made that carrot cake though too. Oh, that's, oh. yeah, she does pretty good. I thought I might have passed out in a sugar coma. <laughs> I can eat a lot of cake. I just can't eat carrot cake. Not a big fan. I've tried it. Just can't do it. Well, Carrots aren't supposed to be in cakes, man. More, <laughs> more carrot cake for Austin. Though, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, tell me, Kevin, who's Jesus to you? Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who I am unworthy of. Someone who I stand up for, but I should stand up for so much more. Someone who has given me more blessings than I deserve, a life, a wife, two children, three grandchildren, friends. Someone who I think sometimes is absolutely beyond my comprehension. Beautiful. Oh, thanks. So, tell me a little bit about your family, your wife, your children. What do you love about your wife the most? You know, I only have an hour. So, I, I, we have, we've got to kind of go through that. Uh, Chris is just uh, an amazing, um, amazing, remarkable woman. She's a loving wife, mother, grandmother, 
sister, a very extremely gifted nurse. You know, she had a rough childhood, and I wasn't always the easiest guy to live with, but she kept that steadfast love she had for Jesus since she was a little girl and always prayed for our family. And she was a spiritual leader in our house when I abdicated that role. Mm. So that's really what she is to me. She's uh, Without her, I could survive, but without her, I would not thrive. Wow. Powerful. Thanks. She really means a lot to you. Yeah. Yeah. She does. Then it's issue here, boys, soon. Well, we got you. We got you. That's powerful. Oh, thanks. Well, it's all God, Mike. It's all God, man, because, um, you know, growing up in my younger days, I was a kind of an angry dude, so not very polite. Well, I found it just to be powerful when you said you abdicated that control because we as men, we we have control issues. <laughs> we really do. But when you knew that at that time you just weren't cut out for it, it's like, okay, I'm going to give this to you, and you do this. And that actually says a lot about your character because that willingness to do that. I'm not sure I did it because I was willing. I think I just didn't want it. Mm, It's uh, more of a, I had other focuses. I just wasn't focused on that. Mm. Um, Was it still that bitterness and anger? Yeah, I mean, it was focus on the job, mm. you know, trying to <clears throat> provide for her family yeah, and doing all those things. And, um, you know, I was churched and saved, but wasn't really understood mm. the role of a, what a godly husband was. Because my dad wasn't that. He was a good guy, you know, three squares a day, roof over your head kind of thing, but he wasn't saved. And my mother took us to church. So I just didn't quite know how to handle all of that till later on in life. So, but thank God Krista kept us. We still all went to church, but um, she really was the driver. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's the way it was in my family growing up. It was the women. And Pastor Tommy said that, I think, the week before last about when it came to women in church, they seemed to be more spiritually in tune. And so I grew up with a grandmother that made sure that we, I mean, born and raised Catholic, yeah, but we went to Saturday evening mass. We went to church on Sundays and, you know, and if there was a midweek, something was going on, we were there. And so I I can see that, you know, because the women seem to be the ones when it really does sometimes come to spirituality or those those bright lights in the families that says, okay, let's go. <laughs> We're going to go before the Lord. <laughs> Women are much more relational than men, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's their relation with Jesus that they think they develop quicker than us mm-hmm. guys do. Um, and my mom the same way. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're in church. You know, VBS, the whole thing. Um, where the men are, we're just kind of uh, have more loner to a, to a degree. Yeah. Although I see a lot of that changing, but at least my generation for sure. For sure. So you would say you were able to see Jesus through your wife? Yeah, through my wife. Yeah, Krista demonstrated that um, throughout all of our marriage. Yeah, she has. What, um, what do you enjoy doing with her the most? I just like hanging out with her. Yeah. Whatever we do. Getting to know her more and more. Yeah, um, it's just, it's just helping her, you know, uh, running errands with her. Just, you know, I I find it even ten years ago this never would happen, but even now, just if she said, let's just go to the Jubilee and I just want to go thrifting, I'll just take go thrifting with her. You know, before I've been thrifting. like, I'll just stay at home and watch, you know, the grass grow. Before I'd go thrifting, but it's, so it's a different style, different way of handling things. So. Definitely you, that. Do you like to go because it makes her happy? And it makes me happy as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a both thing. You know, it's a, we've kind of restructured our lives that we would have more time together, which is why, you know, even I participate at the uh, pantry, 
with Tuesday and Thursdays with her. Mm. Even if serving the Lord, we try to do some things together and then do things on our own because you need guy time, she needs gal time, you know. Mm. Um, and having people over. She likes having people over. That She's a very gifted at hospitality. Mm-hmm. So she, she likes to bake and yeah. cook. Yeah, she's such a sweet lady. And I've missed two opportunities to be over here because of surgeries. Uh, the next time I'm going, I don't care what it. I don't care if I lose a foot. And I'm going. She's gonna stuff you full of carrot cake. <laughs> Probably, and I will eat it just because she did it. <laughs> so, Kevin, you mentioned you had children. I think you said two or three. Two boys. Two boys. Mm, two boys. Yeah. So, how was uh, raising two boys? Fun. Fun. Busy, but fun. You know. Um, Involved in sports all the way through up through college. Um, so we were always busy. Mm-hmm. And at church with uh, the Awanas program, we had them in that, doing those types of things. And um, it was busy, learning, throwing baseball with them. Well, one. Um, by the time the second one came along, my hands were so bad, I really couldn't throw baseball with them. So, yeah. uh, but we still had a lot of fun. So it was always busy. All right. So just a little brief introduction about Kevin here. Uh, I'd really like to talk about what we spoke about before sitting down, about your testimony growing up, uh, your anger, struggling with a disability that you have and how that may have affected your life, but how Jesus brought you out of that. So if you would like to explain to the listeners what we're talking about, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I have a disease. It's a neurological muscular disease. It's uh, called Charcot, C-H-A-R-O-T, Marie Tooth, named after three physicians who discovered it. And it's a degenerative disease. So what happens is your nerves stop sending impulses to your muscles, mm-hmm. and your muscles go away, Yeah, and they never come back. Um, and it's hereditary. It's incurable. It's not life-threatening, but it's... Uh, impactful to your life um it can manifest itself early in your life or later uh for me it was early okay uh, um like I, I think i've have written down that you know from sixth grade i was like the second fastest kid in elementary school okay to eighth grade i was the second slowest in two years it just fell off the table so it just started it just dropped off the table like that um and uh, it affected my brother, so he was. I had a little window into the future with him, and some of my other relatives. But they're much older. I mean, I was um, eighth grade, so they were, they might have been forty years older than I, or fifty. Okay. But so my brother was my closest window into the future. Uh, then I also started looking at it uh, when I was in college, just kind of let do a little research paper on it, yeah. and uh, find out a little bit more about it. But that, my goodness, that's been 40-some years ago. So when it first started, you said about 6th grade to the 8th grade, how did that start to affect your emotions? Of Well, it's interesting because, you know, in 8th grade, when I realized what was going on, I wasn't formally diagnosed because you know, yeah. you, you know what you know. Um, and then in ninth, 10th, in ninth grade, 10th and 11th, those summers, I had four surgeries. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to rebuild the bones of my feet. Yeah. So I wouldn't have to wear braces. Because my brother wore those big, heavy metal braces, I know, from the knee down. And uh, that worked until I was 30, but I ended up in braces. So even at that point in time, as that, that young kid, I realized that I couldn't do things I was ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I never could play baseball with an organized team. Um, couldn't be a truck driver or a heavy equipment operator or an archaeologist like I wanted to. Um, so that really, I started thinking about what's my life going to be like? Mm. How am I going to get a job? Yeah. I mean, at one point in my life, I thought my if I could aspire to be the night manager at a Turkey Hill, that would be phenomenal. Mm. That's where I was. That's where I was ever going to be. Um, but the Lord had other plans. How, how did you cope? Well, I I became uh, prideful, arrogant, mm. smart aleck, judgmental. 
Yeah. All those negative things. So I think a lot of it's coming out of jealousy. I can see what other people doing. I'm like, try to be better. Yeah, try to be better. You know, hiding behind intelligence. Yeah. So, um, but thankfully, um, you know, through working out of high school, worked a year, you know, realized I'm never going to make a living in a shoe factory where I was at. So I went to Hack up in Harrisburg, went to Penn State Harrisburg, did an internship in a nursing home and spent 25 years as a nursing home administrator. Okay. And doing that. And, and so you can see God laying the groundwork right there because my perspective with my disease gave me a different view of residents than some other folks had. And they had a different view of me. You know, so we always, they always, I think they understand, this guy understands a little bit more, you know, kind mm -hmm. of thing. So um, that's the career I, the Lord led me down. And that's how I met Krista. Okay. So uh, when, when would you say you started to really follow the Lord? Really follow the Lord? Um, yeah. Since I came here, CC left. When was that? Two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Yeah. Okay. Always knew the Lord, you know, always prayed, read the Bible. But in terms of like trying to follow the Lord and trying to be a better man and a better husband, two and a half years ago. What what changed? Um, Krista and I hit a bit of a rough spot and kind of we were like at the pinnacle, like are we going to stay together or going to leave? Um, and through Tom and Sue Keller, for for both of us, it was a big change. And it really helped. And it's an amazing family here at CC Lab. Just an amazing family. Yeah. The culture is um, one of like I've never seen. Uh, seen before. You know, and God has a way of bringing you down to your knees. You know, uh, and that helped. That helped a great deal. The boys were gone. Um, they were married. They had both left and went to, one went to Indiana. And three days later, the other one moved to Oregon. Yeah. So they took, you know, they took off. Um, and uh, that's, they're, they're where God needs them to be or wants them to be, I should say. But it was a rough emotional time for us because, you know, all of a sudden they're gone. Like, wow. Um, but in all, all in all, knowing that that's where they needed to be, that's comforting mm -hmm. um, to see that. And the boys and I, we talked about, because I had some regrets growing up with how I was a father to them, and I sat down with both of them, and we just talked it out. They were good. They were, they were real good. You were able to talk with your... Oh, yeah. Now, did they hold resentments towards you, or... Nope. You were just... They're like, you know, Dad, you're not perfect. You weren't perfect. Neither are we. Mm -hmm. So, and in a nutshell, that's really what they say. And I just kept telling the same thing. It was be a better father and dad than husband than I was. And uh, so that's, I think, their mission accomplished already. But yeah. also, raise your children to be better than you. Mm -hmm. Raise them in the Lord and be better men and be, be a better people than you are. Constantly improve generationally and in any generational sin, break it through, you know, break it out kind of thing. I, got a, I have a question. I want to back up. When you said you were angry, now, this period of anger, was it even when you were a father? Mm-hmm. Was it? Oh, yeah. Was it because, explain that, because I, the question I want to come up with is, did you internally feel like you were lacking somewhere because of your disability or what, I mean, did you have resentment towards your own disability? That's what I'm trying to get. I, there's no delicate way to say that. And I'm not trying to, but I often wondered that with a, a parent who does have a disability, how does that affect them in their relationship and where does the anger come from? I can't speak for anyone else but myself, Mike. Um, yeah. I mean, I certainly, you know, didn't realize it at the time hmm. that, uh, I was angry at uh, my disability. Uh, I think now looking back, I understood it. My disability caused me a lot of what I didn't even know was anxiety at the time. Mm. 
you know, because a man wants to provide for his family. And I needed a job. And I had a good job. It's a good career. Um, although we moved around a lot until the last 15 years when I was at a Christian retirement community. But you want to provide. And I was always, can I provide? Can I make sure my family's taken care of? And a lot of times that was at the forefront because I knew if I risked something happening that I couldn't work anymore. Mm. Um, and that drove me, but it also drove me in a way that I didn't manage it. Um, I let that driving me in the, in the underlying resentment with my disease express itself in anger and judgmental, you know, and lack of gratitude, just prideful. But sum it up, it's just pride at that point in time. Um, you know, and I think, this is going to sound, uh, I guess, typical, but my oldest son was very good at sports, very good. And he liked them, so, you know, we, we did a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't miss a game. I didn't miss my younger son. He's very good, too. Didn't, I think I only missed two of their games in, in junior high, no matter what they did. But I just wanted to watch them play. Yeah, you know, and just see what they want to do, and take it wherever they wanted to go with it, or not. One didn't want to play in college; the other one decided he wanted to play in college, so that's what we did. And um, you know, I, I just don't know how, I don't know how to express anymore, but um, I think that was the biggest thing. Just mm. under the anxiety coming with it. Um, I had a brother who I thought was very successful in his career. And he had the same disease. I'm like, so now I got that competition thing going oh, on. Oh, your brother had the same disease too? Yeah. Okay. That's why he wore those leg braces. All right. Yeah, everyone in our family has it. Okay. Except the in-laws that marry in, of course. Whether it stays active or lays dormant. So even your okay. sons? They do. But it's dormant? Yeah. Okay, so that, like it could. that's how it stays hereditary. It just stays dormant. It could, uh, it could show up. Tomorrow. Oh, I got gotcha. you. It can become active tomorrow. Oh. But they're going to pass it along. This you is, know. Yeah, I've never heard of it, so. It's an interesting uh, disease. It's the most common neurological, neuromuscular you know, disease out there. Yeah. But it doesn't have any real big impact, so it doesn't get a lot of press. Mm. You know. Okay. But. Uh, now, through, through this whole journey, how was your attitude? towards God? Uh, sometimes angry at God. Mm. You know, sometimes thankful. Mm -hmm. Even when I was angry at him, I knew in the back of my mind that he had a purpose for this, but I didn't always like his plan. Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, I, I wanted to do other things. You know, so even in high school, I went to Vogue Tech here. I graduated from Palmyra. Went to the Vogue Tech school here. Took up residential house wiring, which is a foolish thing to do because there's no way I could do that as a job. Mm -hmm. But the knowledge I gained from that got me my first job as an assistant administrator in the business. So even then, God was taking my foolish plan and using it for his glory, for my plan down the road, for my plan down the road, he went that's how I got back into the nursing home business after college. Um, so that's how I worked that. And nothing to do with my high school academics. Mm. Just I have a degree and I had knowledge because I went to Votech and uh, typically the assistant administrators oversee maintenance and yeah. I had uncles that were mechanics. My dad was a mechanic. My grandfather was a mechanic. So I had some knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that's how God kind of orchestrated that through, in spite of me. And you can see now, looking back, just hearing a little bit of your story, that how you said you wanted to provide for your family. Yeah. And God was doing it the whole time. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I thought it was me, but it wasn't. <laughs> and I'm sure your life, from then till the past two and a half years have been a complete change with 
anxieties, worries, anger, uh, how you. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think, um, you know, you'd have to get a second opinion from my wife, maybe, but. Uh, <laughs> All I hear is good things every time she talks about you. Yeah, that's because she's so sweet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think coming out of what we went through, um, I made a promise to her, said, I'll never get mad at you again. Mm. I'll never argue with you again. I may strongly debate things with you, but I won't argue with you. But, um, and there's just no stress. A lot of that's gone. A lot of that's really gone. Um, we were just talking about that this morning, you know, with certain things that are occurring in the world. It's like, the stress isn't there. We're just kind of giving it up. Um, Chris is not working for the most part. Uh, she used to work four days a week as a nurse. Mm-hmm. She's down a day, maybe maybe one, two days a week. We have more with her working less than when she worked. Wow. Yeah, we have more with her working less. Uh, and that's just God uh, rewarding the commitment. You know, the, the, the interesting thing is I'm sitting here and I'm listening to your story. The one thing that I find the most fascinating is, is that there are some people who have disabilities. They remain in their anger. They remain in that, that hateful attitude and they have no either desperation or determination. And as I'm listening to you tell your story, there was this determination for your disability to not weigh you down, to, to not stop you. You were determined to do things. Like you said, you took an electrical uh, engineering class, and mm-hmm. it's like you said that, well, I knew I couldn't do this job, but there's this determination that I'm seeing in your story, and I find that to be the most fascinating because you did not allow this to define you. You did not allow this to hold you down. Even if you had mm-hmm. the anger, you still had that motivation to push through, to push forward, and I find that to be inspiring. When I was a young boy, I used to watch my grandfather and he's putts around in his garage. Mm. And uh, I noticed that his fingers didn't work yeah, as well as my father's. And he had four acres of ground, mm-hmm. had a little pond, a little stream, he had spring, he took care of the ground, he took care of this. It never stopped him, he never quit. Mm-hmm. He thought outside the box. And, uh, that was a big impact. Um, so when people say, gee, how do you do it? I, I kind of go to the Mike's Marine motto, you adapt and overcome. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. But that also helped me in, as a nursing home administrator. Yeah. You know, problem solving, just, um, you know, you go to these management courses, they want to teach you things like, you got to think outside the box, man. Mm-hmm. Life's not a Life's not a box. But that's some of the things that qualities that my boys have too. They're very determined. But so is their mother. Yeah. And Krista prayed for our family all through this. She seems very and persistent so, and consistent. Oh, she is. Yeah, she's amazing. She really is. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was amazing all the way through this journey and still is. Oh, she, she was and is. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct, Austin. Uh <clears throat> How in the end have you seen this be a blessing in your life? I know we had spoken about this before. When you say this, what do you mean specifically? Or the disease you mean? or As in, uh, I'll, I'll share my side okay. to open it up. Uh, how I had anger. And when we talk about anger, it's just not, uh, I get angry. It's a deep anger where it can be scary, dark, you don't know what to do with this anger. But over the years of growing up in that anger, you learn how to control it and all them things. And I used to always blame my dad or my family or my circumstances, always making excuses. But in the end, I seen the things that I'm, thought caused my anger were the greatest blessing in the end because God provided somebody that I blamed mostly for that to keep me from not ever acting out 
in that anger to hurt people or cause more damage because my dad disciplined me through my rebellion. And it was really the Lord showing me now am I going back that I was the rebellion one. I didn't want to listen. I just wanted to act out in rebellion and not listen. And if it wasn't for the blessing of my dad, the one who I blamed for my anger, if I didn't have him, I might been be in prison for life. Sure. No, I get that. I get because that. Because of, who knows, active road rage one day and just run over a car. I don't know. But you, you understand how that anger can fuel you if it's not left checked. Yeah, I've been there. I've been on the road where I had a group of motorcycles come up one time and just want to cut in front of me and take over the road. I'm like, I'm going to run them over. Yeah. I'm like, you know, Chris is in the car. She's like, you can't do that. Um, but, you know, the anger thing is I knew in the back of your mind you have like the Holy Spirit talking to you, you know? Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? Yeah, you have a disability, but you got some issues. Yeah. And the disability is helping you with those issues. Because and I, um, the disability kept me in check. That's and and, and I thank God for it because mm -hmm. I know if I, I if I was healthy, like you, Mike, you know, healthy young, aren't you? Oh, you're young, Mike. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess who got heckled? <laughs> uh, he could say it. Yeah, he can yeah. say that. Well, but if I was healthy and left in my own devices, I might not even be here. Yeah, and. Uh, I just didn't control the anger, like understand, like that's just get a hold of it, because um, you know I would yell and scream and mm -hmm. say stuff. And I never yeah. hit, never hit anybody, but you know I. But that there was just you know, it's just not good around you know young boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But through it all, Krista, you know, she's like, she stayed and. Thank God you did. Yeah, no, I know. I remember when you shared that with me. Like, this this guy doesn't even have a dose of anger. And I never, he comes up and wants to give me a big hug and I want to run the other way. And he says, no, come here. Give what? me a real hug. And this whole Amen. time, Kevin, you, you I'm, I'm not a hugger. I don't really I like hugs. And every, you didn't know that at first. And you're, no, come here, give me a hug. And I was like, no. See, but now that when but, you when you finally let that cat out of the bag, I know now. Now I'm like I'm tracking you down. Yeah, I'm gonna go hunt you down now, Austin. Yeah. If you catch me, I'm always doing side hugs. It's yeah. something about that hug that's different. And and for me personally, that when somebody comes and gives me a hug like that, I know it's God alone yeah. because I've had kids. Met maybe one time I'm walking through the church and they tap me and I say, Yeah, can I have a hug? Or randomly Sunday run into Teddy's always giving hugs. Oh, well, but Teddy. he he gives this mighty hug. Oh, he does, yeah. And it's makes you want to cry. Or a run into Mike and That's how I can tell that him and I have grown closer. He can hug me. Because I can hug him. Where other people, he kind of like, like he says, he does a side thing, but I can come up to him and hug him because this is my brother and he knows that I love him dearly, you know. He try, Sometimes Austin will try that side hug of me. I'm looking like, no, give me a real hug. No, he does. He, <laughs> like, give me a real hug. I, <laughs> I have and I, I've walked away and he says, you come back here. <laughs> and yeah. if I try to get away, he's coming through the seats and I'm just like, man, I just want to go home. Hey, Mike, come here. Give me a hug. And, it, and then he just grabs me. I'm like, okay. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I love his hugs, though. He gives good hugs. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, with volunteering with the U-Turn, especially um, the bunkhouse phase one, mm -hmm. you know, and when we first arrived, or, I mean, and started going through the discipleship class where you and I met, and yeah. Mike, you and mm -hmm. I met, you know, Brian Crawl's like, Kevin, you got to go hang out at the bunkhouse. I'm not thinking, I'm not hanging out with those drug heads. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Now, man, I, I love going over there. Yeah, how? I love them. The deaf. It softened your heart. 
Oh yeah. And I and I resisted it. Hmm. But the Holy Spirit's in the back of my head saying, Hey knucklehead, it's gonna soften your heart. Get with the program. I I'm I might you know? use that as the title. Hey knucklehead. Hey knucklehead, that's okay. Hey so, knucklehead. And when you really think about it, sometimes a disability doesn't have to be something physically that we see. Even being an addiction is a disability. Yeah. And and people always say, Oh, they're just drug addicts. No, it is a disability. And it, and it's and it brings them to no good. It brings them harm, and but it's still a disability. I don't see it just as an addiction. I see it as a disability that they have to work through. And uh, I think U-turn definitely provides an opportunity for that. Well, I mean, we all have some type mm-hmm. of disability in, yeah. in any shape or form. In speaking on a addict side. It's freeing when you learn that these things that we may cause outside of physical disability or uh, mental disability, it could be just sin. Yeah. And I realize I can be set free. Yeah. We can be set free from all them things that hinder us. Uh, I When I go, it's, um, you know, I... I I can't always do a lot of the physical stuff, mm-hmm. but you mentioned this. It got me thinking, you know, I can't do a lot of the physical stuff, but I can hug the guys and I can listen to what they're talking about. And you do that well. Thanks. Uh, they teach me more than I teach them for sure. Yeah. Really do. Wow. You're, being blessed through that way. You're blessing them by just being that listening ear because people that are coming off the streets like that hurt people, have a lot of pain. Not just, this isn't just alcoholism or drug addicts. This is anybody out there that's hurting. Yeah. Needs a listening ear. Yeah. And if we in the church, you and I, Mike, you and me, Kevin, the the church as a whole, us Christians, if we could just have that listening ear to anybody in the church, I mean, it goes a long way. Well, this is a one of the things that I finally have accepted yeah. uh, as a husband. Okay. Yeah, when your wife says she wants to talk about things, yeah, don't just listen. Don't try to fix it. Just listen. Mm. Get out of your fix it mode and get into your listening mm. mode because that's all she wants to do is listen. So that's well, it's, it's a life. It's a lot better marriage when you just shut up and listen, guys. So I'll, I'll I'll remember that. I'm gonna remember that. I I'm learning to listen. Oh yeah, it's tough because we want to fix things. <laughs> and when your wife or your girlfriend or whatever is hurting, yeah, you don't want that, and you want to fix it. You want to make it go away. Mm-hmm. And we'd have. You know, arguments about that. I just got to make it go away. I just got to tell you. I'm like, don't tell me if I can't fix it, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's really shutting her off and shutting her down. Now it's more like, you got this. I'm just going to listen, mm-hmm. you know. So it's growing. I just wish I would have done it you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. So uh, what moves you to want to help others? You know, it's just... Um, trying to give them the benefit in my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, well, guys, you know, like I've been, I mean, I've been everywhere you're at, depending who you're talking to, which you probably aren't going to be everywhere somebody's at. Mm. But here's where I messed up. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that same thing. I even tell my boys, and I said, listen, remember my failures as a father. Don't repeat them. Remember anything you felt I'd done well. And build upon it. Mm-hmm. And do it better. You know? Um, same thing with anybody, anything you want to help. You know, I'm, I've actually been out with one or two evangelizing things here at the church. And I never thought I'd do that. Uh, but it's tough to turn Bob Clouser down. So uh, so it's just out just trying to help people in any way that I can that was in my skill set and within my physical limitations. There's certain things I just can't do. So I just don't even try to do them. I just kind of move them aside and like, 
I don't have that. There's a point, Mike, you said about determination earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a point where I would have tried to do that, be determined and stubborn. Now a little bit of wisdom comes in and says, no, that's just foolish to try to do that. So you got to say no because you got to go over here. That's where the wise move is over here. Yeah. And just do it that way. So learn how to be wise of how to be a servant. Yeah, you can't, you can't serve everybody. Sometimes you just got to say no because I got to be, I'm over here. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, there's nothing wrong with saying no. No, that's exactly right. There's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, so I, you know, I enjoy what I do with uh, with the guys. I, I remember one person saying to me, "Do you feel safe in that bunkhouse with those guys?" I'm like, "I feel safer there than any place else in town." Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, these guys know what's going on. I feel safe here. Yeah, absolutely, not a problem. Yeah, just seeing the God move on their hearts and change them. Mm-hmm. You know what? You see it in their eyes. Yeah, you see it in their eyes. Like uh, Mike is going out with you. Turn out to Nevada what, next Wednesday, mm. the twelfth. Mm-hmm. You, you look at Mike's eyes now, and you look at Mike when he first came in. They are blue. There's blue like the sky now. They were cloudy when he came in. Yeah. He's a different guy. They just light up. They do. They do. You have blue eyes, Austin. And you've grown in the last two and a half years I've known you. Mm-hmm. Just tremendously grown. You know? And I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in the passion you have. You know? Mike as well. Except my eyes aren't blue. No, your eyes aren't blue. Your eyes are brown. But they're good looking. <laughs> They're good looking on radio or punk. Yes. <laughs> I have no comment. Uh, it's I mean, interesting when we think we don't have a story. Yeah. We have one. You know, Mike, it, it's the it's the story that got me saved. Mm. So I was, what, 10, 10 or 12. And we went to a church. You know, we lived in Georgia. So we went to a conservative little Christian Missionary Alliance I church. I want you to talk Southern now. Well, I can do that if you'd like. <laughs> you know, but it's going to cost you some biscuits and gravy. Um, and we had a missionary come in. Yeah. Now, you know, all the missionaries I've experienced were like, you never know, from Africa, some island, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere foreign. This kid, uh, probably about 25, 26, was a skinny, I don't know if he's Puerto Rican or Mexican, I don't know, Spanish of some sort. About 6'2", slender, muscular. He was from Chicago. Mm-hmm. He was a gangbanger, an ex-gangbanger from Chicago. He had sleeves up his arm, tattoo sleeve before that was even popular. And he talked about his life, about getting, he showed us his stab wounds, his gunshot wounds. And this is at 10, you say? Yeah. Okay. And he, which is, you don't show people that in a church in Georgia in 1972, these, all these people, but he did. And his name was Domingo Garcia. And he gave the altar call, man, I bolted. It was his story. Wow. That made all the difference. You know, I could feel the Lord really tugging at me, but boy, he pushed me over the edge. And I've uh, never thought about him much since then. Uh, a couple years back, I looked him up. Uh, here he was spent the, his life in uh, serving the inner, inner, inner youth in Chicago, hmm. and he has since passed away. But can see, I can still picture him today standing up there. Powerful. Yeah, powerful stuff. So it was his story that led me there, got me moving. Yeah. Just an amazing guy. So I think about our guys in U-Turn. They came through that they can do the same thing. We all can do the same thing. Yeah. You know, with whatever story it is. You know, it's interesting. I won't say God has a specific pattern on how he does things, but when we really examine just even within God's mm-hmm. word, you look at the people that he used 
murderers, adulterers, backbiters, gossipers. He's used so many different types of people for his glory. And it just seems so much, it's just such a powerful thing because he, he's really taking the average guy with, with the same issues as anybody else and he uses them mightily. And sometimes we fail to see that. You know, we read about David, we read about Moses, or we read about Abraham or, or Peter with his attitude, but we don't really examine them. We just see them, oh, these are my Bible heroes. Well, they had issues. Yeah. They had some serious issues. Yeah. For, you know? Absolutely they did. In First Corinthians it says, you know, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise, mm -hmm. and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Just no. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, Kevin, before we close, uh, is there anything that the Lord has been speaking to you that you may want to be sharing or that you've been sharing with others that, that's been, uh, I don't know. Well, you know, I kind of um, looked at my life in my career and how God helped me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I retired. I had to retire at 50. My health finally gave out at 50, um, which is pretty young, you know, as an unplanned event. So you've been retired 13 years? 13 years. Awesome. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, no, it wasn't fun in the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, God took care of us. Yeah. He continues to care for us and take care of us. Um, which excites me about the financial coaching team because, you know, uh, people have to understand how to run their budgets in their life mm -hmm. because uh, we did, and I had to retire 50, and we were okay, you know, um, through that stewardship of uh, not always popular decisions with the, with the kids, you know, yeah. but uh, God knew it was coming, and he helped prepare us for that. Uh, so I just look at Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Find out the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's what He gave me. I just didn't really look at it from that perspective, but He gave me hope in the future. Took my disease, put me in a career that I was able to be pretty good at. And when time came to retire, we were okay, and uh, impact people, mm -hmm. and. Uh, that's what I want to hopefully continue to do in some small way. Yeah. Just continue to have impact for people. That's kind of that's kind of it, I guess. Yeah. Jesus gives victory. Sure does. Sure does. And this friends, new friends here at CC Lab like you and Mike. Yeah. Oh, you thought I liked you? Oh man. No. Just kidding. I'm just trying to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> love you, Kevin. I love you, yeah. man. I love you, really too, man. We, we hey, love you. Thanks for sitting down and sharing some things with us. I know it's tough for you uh, getting you out of your comfort zone. I know uh, yeah, this wasn't easy for you to sit down tonight, but I do know that your wife is your biggest cheerleader. Without a doubt. And... Speaking with her, she's always saying, Kevin just needs a share. And I know that you tell me you're skeptical about your story or you don't have a story, but I know that you have a story that is powerful and there's people that are going to be listening to this and they're going to be touched and moved because of what Jesus did through your life. Nothing that you've done. Yeah, but for sure. To see how you <clears throat> endured persevered and willing to share that I pray that it's a blessing to you 
and a blessing to those that listen and that if there's anybody out there that is beat up, lost, thinking that they can't go on because they have some physical ailment or, or a disease or a mental issue, know that Jesus Christ is there for you and he will show you the way. He tells us to call out and he will deliver us. Cast Amen. our burdens to him and he will supply your needs. Amen. Uh, you might have emotional roller coaster road through it. You might not understand now, but as you endure, he'll show you the way and reveal the truth at a time when it seems fit. But Kevin, you have a testimony that no one can take from you. It's a gift that God has given you to share with others, to be able to share his glory, his His good news, the gospel that Jesus saves, that Jesus came to die for sinners like you and I. Well, it's been a pleasure. I thank you for the opportunity, Austin and Mike. It's it's really been good. Yeah, uh, it got me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I'm Pennsylvania Dutch. We don't like to get out of our comfort zone too yeah. much, you know. <laughs> yes. But, uh, it's thank, good. Thank you so much. Thank you for the service that you do here in Lebanon. It's all for God. So, Mike, you want to pray us out? Yes. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time, Lord. Um, what a powerful story. What a powerful testimony, Lord. And I just thank you for all those who will hear this, that they would be blessed, and they too will continue to be watchmen, Lord. And just uh, They have a story. We need to hear those stories, Lord, because the realness of these stories is a true testament to what God does in one's life. We thank you, Father. We praise you and just uh, ask you to carry us through the rest of this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.